Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Bucked Up Podcast. If you wouldn't mind just hitting the subscribe button, like, sharing the video. We have new episodes coming out every Monday and Thursday. Enjoy. It was at this moment that he knew he bucked up. Now he fucked 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 up. Now you have fucked up. Man, thank you so much for coming on. It's kind of funny how worlds how worlds collide. I want to shout out, I asked uh, Genesis, shout out Genesis. Shout out Genesis. Genesis Hesh. knows that's my ride or die. Henny Rock. Come on, shout <laughs> I, uh, I asked her, I was like, oh, do you want me to ask her anything? Like, And she was like, the last time you guys performed together. Ooh, <laughs> she wants to add uh, to high school memories. Like, yeah, yeah. I, there we go, we could do that, because that's one of my favorite memories. Shout out to Genesis. Genesis really is like my ride or die. That's that's you know i so i understand we made a pact in sixth grade that we would win grammys together so like that's that's solidified she supported me from the beginning through a lot she's held she's and still needs a genesis to this day life. everybody yeah. needs a genesis in their life but um even though in <laughs> in middle school genesis is gonna be mad i'm saying this but in middle school we used to be like enemies <laughs> and then we became best friends in like high school but nonetheless the last time we performed together um, it was in high school, and I remember it was in the wake of the killing of Michael Brown, actually. Um, so it was a very somber performance, but it was very powerful and it was very necessary. Um, and as two of the only students of color at the entirety of the school, to a few, um, you know, we really took that moment to speak in a way in which I don't necessarily know if we were heard at the time, but to at least speak. And I think that people heard us later, I, I started to realize. So that was a very, very powerful performance. I think anytime Genesis and I come together, we do great things. So that was that was definitely a time to remember. And that was, that was very pivotal in um, my own career, because I think that was the first time that I'd um, expressed myself in that way to that demographic um, yeah. in terms of my performance art. So. Not that that's a positive thing, because of course that's very sad, but right. like that your music is very connected to that. So that is one of those like omens in that they Absolutely. it definitely pushes you forward, that that was your like last performance. And were you always serious about it? Was it always like, this I is I it? I was always pretty serious about music. I was I, always pretty serious about music. So you're not, you tried graduate school. I did. I did. And now you're focused on music. See, you music. did your research, Sam. A lot of people <laughs> don't know that, but I did. I did. I was uh, enrolled at NYU. I was doing a master's in public administration program following my time at Howard University, where I studied political science, philosophy, and economics. But um, I, I've always just really been trying to figure out what it is that my role to play is in the grand scheme of the justice system and just in the interest of my people in general. Um, and so whereas I once thought it was maybe through law or, or through policy, just, you know, whatever I could get my hands on, um, I realized that it's much more effective through music and I have a much larger platform to be able to speak to and express certain things that, um, you know, I might not be able to do in a courtroom or through policy, unfortunately, just given the infrastructure of this country. So yeah. um, I definitely think I've, I've found the role that I play now in that in that struggle. I was watching some of your videos before this and I was reading the comments and uh -huh. shit. And not that I know you're still at the beginning of a long journey, mm -hmm. but you are hitting people in that way and connecting Thank with you. people in that way. And it's crazy, the not crazy, but the mm -hmm. outpouring of love and like knowledge. Because that's what I love in music and everything. Mm -hmm. And comedy is like, there's a hidden message and there's knowledge that can be learned not just from 
the standard way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate that. I definitely think that in every song I try to, to I don't want to necessarily say teach, I don't, I don't, I, but I definitely try to express the things that I know. And I think that transference of knowledge is, is very important. Um, and I definitely think that music hits harder when people can, can learn something or feel something from it. Um, it's great to be able to bop your head to it, but it's awesome to also be able to be like, you know what, I, I understand that. I feel that on, on a way that affects and impacts me. So that's always important to me as well. So you went to Howard, which, of course, is very impressive. H-U, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> and so did you know that music and that um, putting that into your music was always going to be a part of it? Or did you kind of have the world separate and mm-hmm. you have to mesh them later? Well, interestingly enough, and um, it's interesting that these narratives are always told through my music, but it's it's really just the narrative of my life, I guess, as a black woman in general. But music has always been a passion of mine, but it was also a, a matter of, you know, what can you do to make sure that you will never be blo- broke as a, a black woman in America? Um, and so there are so many musicians in this world, and I had to make sure that I had an equally successful backup plan for, for lack of other terminology. Um, and so, you know, I was I always wanted to make sure that there was something that I could fall back on. And so for me, I was thankful enough to have access to the education that I did. And so the fallback plan was, you know, I want to make sure that I'm well versed in policy so I can at least take it that way if music doesn't work. Yeah. But um, of course, music was always my first, has always been, is always my first love. Um, I always knew I wanted to do music. And I probably knew that since the third grade. And interestingly enough, the reason I even got into music was also just going back to that, you know, survival idea but it was what can you do to make sure that no matter what you'll never be broke as a black woman in america if you can you know pick up an instrument you can go into any bar at some point in time and say hey you know i might not have a job in this this and this but i can play can i get on your stage and make money that way um so you know it all comes full circle was that something you realized yourself or was this something that was passed down that was something that was instilled into me and so you know quite literally that was one of the reasons as to why uh, my parents were so so adamant on my playing instruments um, to make so sure they were very they were supportive absolutely of it. My, my I was classically trained in the piano um, and so and that was actually something that I was I was I was interested in when I was younger but I was I was forced to do it a little bit too yeah <laughs> um, and that's because again my parents wanted to make sure that you know their children had certain skills so that they could never be broke in America as black women my sister and I um, but nonetheless I, I was forced to play piano a little bit and I I loved it, but I hated it. We had a love-hate relationship. I hated being inside practicing while I heard kids playing outside. That was like the worst yeah. thing ever. But um, but I'm so grateful now to have that skill. Discipline. Uh, absolutely, and it teaches discipline as well. And um, you know, once you learn how to play the piano, learning other instruments and production and the things that I'm into so much now uh, becomes a lot more simple. The so. live music aspect is. Uh, it was probably just on your Instagram maybe a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. You were doing it. It was a drill beat, and you had live <laughs> drums on it. Absolutely. And it was fucking... Cr- that was so... Cr- I loved that. Thank you. And the Thank live you. music of it, that's why we are talking before this. Like, I get to see Jizza, Talib Kweli, and a live jazz band at the Blue which Note, is which is awesome. insane. But, like, live music mm-hmm. with that is it really does bring a different vibe to it Absolutely. and a completely different energy. Absolutely. And, um, you know, MIDI instruments go a long way. That that digital revolution has been great. But there's something beautiful about that hybrid and how you can mix, you know, electronic sounds and actual classic instruments and, and what you can do with that and how experimental you can be 
it just you're really allowed to think outside the box and i think that that's something that people can feel that rhythm that the, of natural instruments so when you put that together with electronic sounds i think the possibilities are endless was it always like r&b hip-hop rap interestingly enough um my biggest song to date is called like records that i did in middle school and it's a house record it's really? House, yeah, it's a straight-up house record. And you were and, in middle um, school. I was in middle school. All right, I haven't, <laughs> see, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I produced that with um, with um, someone by the name of Strike, who was a mentor of mine, and Jensen McRae. Um, and that was something that we just kind of did. You know, I was just, I was just playing around with sounds. Um, at that point, I'd solidified that I wanted to be in music, but I hadn't necessarily found exactly my sound. Just playing around with sounds. So yeah. did you, you knew that you had a special connection to like sound you know what i think yeah everything about anything sonic just really intrigues me yeah most definitely but um to me it's a, it's about communication as well and so how can i use sounds to communicate with other people and other individuals and to me it's always the same you know it goes back to reaching back and reaching back to my ancestry and i feel like we can do that through syncopation and just that feeling i say all the time i hope people can feel me in the music because there's something different when you can feel it um and I think that sonics can sometimes speak to the collective conscious. There's a way in which we can collectively feel a rhythm on a certain level where we can communicate with it. Do you have music in your bloodline, in your history? You know what? Interestingly enough, um, there really are no professional musicians in my bloodline, but everyone loves music. You know, everyone loves music. And so even my parents, they... they um, tried to play some instruments you know they didn't really have the means to to take lessons or anything but tr tried to play instruments here and then and wish they would have stuck to it just because they're lovers of music but um really no professional musicians i will say a cousin of mine is nat king cole oh really so time so, out okay so, you know wait you kidding yeah a distant all right, cousin all of mine. Right, he's my nat king cole i believe is my third yeah that's third cousin. all right because so you're talking counts. about syncopation and reaching back and, and you know feeling what? that so that's, that's that is very like, important that's very that important that's very very important. that is very important absolutely <laughs> that nat king cole is my my third or fourth cousin <laughs> that is why my grandmother's side absolutely um you know i just recently, I realized that, that a lot of people in my family can sing. I didn't even know that, but I was back home recently, and um, I heard all of these beautiful voices just singing gospel music, and I was like, you know what? With the right push, everyone in this family could probably could have been a very, very successful musician. So you started with instruments. Mm -hmm. Were you ever singing, like, young? Were you doing that, too? Or did I was, you I was. I don't necessarily consider myself a singer as of now, although I do occasionally you have some you have a couple r&b songs absolutely uh, that I, will, I will really you know i know how to hold a note i'll say that no you're a great singer oh thank fucking you sam. humble thank but you, yeah but um i sang in the choir when i was younger mm -hmm. definitely um and i thought i was beyonce probably when i was like five so you know a little singing here and there but yeah how about rapping rapping i tell this story all the time but when i was in the third grade the song My Baby by Kanye West mm -hmm. was, well, no, it's not by Kanye West. It's by Janet Jackson, of course, featuring Kanye West on the Demita Joe album, track number five to be exact. But um, that song I probably played over and over and over just on repeat for the whole entire, and you couldn't get away from the song if you were next to me. But um, there was something about that song that really, really made me want to do music. I memorized his verse, and I loved the the guitar sounds of that song. Um, 
And that, that song really had an impact on me. That and, and Tupac's changes. And I'd say that's when lyricism really came into the mix. It was Sonics with My Baby, but then it was really the lyricism of, of songs that I was hearing from Tupac that really made me stop and think, even as a third grader, you know what, he's, he's really saying things that are impacting me. Even as a third grader? Absolutely. And were you writing, me- this is, I don't know how to describe it without it, like meaningful... But like, <laughs> I should like, hope so. I think just in just in, in general, I think I write about my existence as a black woman in America. So I think you know, now I'm writing as a black woman in America. Before I was writing as a black child in America. But the experience is all, you know, very much in the same light. So did that? I mean, I guess going to Howard, that mm-hmm. it didn't really affect you negatively. It probably helped you. I, I sort of hope so. Absolutely. I mean, it, it very different that if you go, went to like... A PWI. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. That would probably... And you know what? Interestingly enough, because I want to touch on this too, um, I think one of the reasons I was so ready to go to Howard was because I went to a predominantly white institution, you know, and shout out to Genesis again. We were one of the, you know, few students of color. But I went to a predominantly white institution for the majority of my upbringing. Um, and so, you know, having, having been surrounded by that for so long, luckily I was in a position where I was not isolated from my people and my culture. And my parents did a very good job of reminding me of where I come from so that, you know, only when I was at school was I isolated from certain environments. Um, I still went home and was able to be in those environments. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm rambling now. What was what, what were we even discussing, Sam? Do you even know? I went to predominantly <laughs> white institutions. Oh no, up. I I actually do remember. Uh-huh. I'm a professional. I know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in control. We were talking about like your music, how mm-hmm. it helped you in college, like get your message out that you going to Howard. You weren't like scared of people. Not at all. So seeing I, I was that side say, of you. Yeah, I think having gone to predominantly white institutions, I, I kind of started speaking to multiple audiences. I, I gained a different perspective. So I was able to speak from you know the inside looking out, but also the outside looking in, for lack of other terminology. Um, once I got to Howard, it was a wrap. Everything that I was ready to do pre-Howard, I was doing at Howard. And then what happened at NYU that made you pull the plug? You want to be me to be entirely honest? Yeah, yeah I do. This That's like a, this. Yeah, this is I, fucked up. I think up. that I'd, I'd gotten so used to being in an environment where I was seeing uh, you know, just black genius and intelligence that I wanted to be submerged in that again. Um, truthfully, that's probably what it was, but it was also just a matter of I was so focused on music at that time, and so I, music had always been my plan, and I'd always decided that once I graduated, which I really graduated from my mother, like I, that, that's really why I graduated from college. Because, yeah. you know, I told my mother that I would, and I know that my parents worked too hard to you know, do certain things to ensure that I got to the point where I could graduate from college because that's not, you know, just a, a Do you feel privilege. like that time was beneficial at all? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, but the plan was also always to do music. So, you know, after after I finished Howard, I was like, yeah, now, now I have to just, I just have to take it all the way. And so I was trying to do the NYU thing. I really was. But I was hearing sounds in my head and it was getting to me and I, I couldn't sit in that lecture hall anymore and, and force it. It just wasn't going to work. So I, uh, did you take it, when did you realize that you were like, nah, I'm all in? Was it before you graduated or after you graduated? I think I was always all in, but I always wanted to have a backup plan just in case. 
Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I said, but you're, you're out. Plan. Yeah. What, that's what I mean. Well, like when uh, was the backup? When was it like, no, I'm definitely the, once I, once I knew that I had my, my BA, once I knew that I had at least one degree under my belt, I was like, all right, now I just got to focus on the music. Um, that wasn't, is that when it started taking, I mean, you said your biggest song to date was in middle school, but like, do you well, feel let like me not say that. The, let me not say that. The biggest, of course, is, is still my freestyle to the If I Rule the World um, beat, which has gotten the most recognition. But that's probably what has the most streams, mm-hmm. um, which that's under a whole alias. People wouldn't even be able to find that hint, hint. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, I'm sorry, Sam. Go back to what you were saying. I have terrible ADD, by the way. This is I do, too. That's that why <laughs> I'm the same way. No, I was asking when your plan was like, I'm focused on music. When was that? When did you realize, like, what was that point? Yeah, definitely. Once I had my degree under my belt, I, I knew that I could yeah. focus entirely on music. I and you, like but I you did go, but the, the, this is, but you did back, go, plan, you did go to NYU. Mm-hmm. So th- Sam, there I was is. A, so hard. I know. I was so what was the so point hard, after that? There has the to be. The point after that? Yeah. But what was the what? point when it you're like, I'm done? It didn't get that far. Let me say that, Sam. It didn't get that far. It yeah. really didn't get that far. Um, but there was a point. No, there was definitely. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, there, there, I don't even know what point it was. I just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. One day. I just, I just stopped. I just, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, but I, it really did not go that far, Sam. This was probably. Were you in a bad place? This was probably a month in. Okay. This were was you, probably a month were you in. dark at that point? Um, probably, probably, and I, I think that it, you know, it got to a point where there was a lot of stress, and I knew it was something that I didn't want to do, and I didn't want to be in a dark place. You know, it's like. If I have the access, if I know what makes me happy, why would I not choose to make myself happy at that point? You know, For, it's like you have the yeah. knowledge of happiness. Why are you choosing not the, to do it? That so. is the point. Yeah, because, all right, Corona hit, comedy stopped, mm-hmm. going through some bad times. And of course, COVID. Oh my goodness. COVID. We'll talk about that yeah, fucking went through a breakup. Mm-hmm. I fucking was in a dark place. Mm-hmm met them Mm. realized knowledge is the happiness and the knowledge is there we're sitting here now in this fucking dope ass studio there is a point sometimes where you're like the low is like all right now it's just time to grow like Mm -hmm. the pendulum has to swing the other way so that's why i ask is because you are very like you're on a fucking fantastic path so i was wondering if the pendulum did hit the other side no you're absolutely right sam and um i think sometimes it really does take getting to your absolute values to just be like all right this is enough um but of course i think that i think everyone was just going through a lot having been on lockdown and with covid and a lot of things were unexpected i know that most of us lost at least one person um but there's people who did things and there's people who weren't absolutely absolutely um but yeah, I think all of that tension kind of just brought me to a breaking point too, where I was like, I just don't want to do any of this anymore. I just don't want to do this anymore. Um, and all of that was related. All of that was related. Because you had to finish school in. Yeah, I was. I was the COVID graduation class. So I was. I was. You were too, right? No, oh, okay, I'm one okay. year ahead. I'm one year okay, ahead. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I graduated. Um, well, I didn't really. I graduated, but of course, you know, we didn't get to walk the stage, and that's what that was so important to me. I was I wanted so badly to to be, you know, the first grandchild to graduate from college. I wanted so much. There was so many, you know, that was just. A but really you were, I, and I you was, are, and I am. But you know, I wanted them to see it. Yeah. But um, 
that and then oh my goodness there was something that took place at the beginning of the summer where people ran wild with some some different kind of rumors it was a lot there were a lot of things going on at the same time but i was like you know what this is the only thing that's making me happy right now is music and if that's the case then let me just do that and everything else just has to go on the back burner whether it's you know people things ideas i just need to focus on music and this is what makes me happy this is how i can express myself right now so this is what i'm going to do with it is that your like dealing with your mental health as music absolutely oh my goodness music is so therapeutic for me so therapeutic for me um that's and you know what i think all the musicians are very emotional people <laughs> i think we're probably very emotional people and creatures but um i have to put it all into the music and it's like when i'm not able to put it all into the music i lose my mind and i i feel like i do you know really lose it i have to have that outlet to be able to express those things and to um you know that's my my comfort space i always say that I'm honored and I'm so thankful that I have the audience that I'm growing now. And thank you all for, you know, being on this journey and this ride with us. But really, oftentimes, my audience is myself. Um, and so I think that's also what kind of shapes a lot of the sounds in my music, because I think that people can hear that I'm sort of speaking to myself or, you know, using myself as the audience. Although I always hope that other people are listening to me speak to myself, if that makes any sense. Uh, it makes complete <laughs> sense. So I don't mean to be all like, oh, woe is me. But, like, stand-up is a, you need an audience. So when that's mm -hmm. gone, and stand-up wasn't, it was going fine. Mm -hmm. It was going fine. But then this, this podcast, I do this for myself. I don't really care if anyone listens yeah, to, to this. You, I've, uh, this is episode 102, and it's been a, less than a year and a half. I do Love two. It. I do it for myself. Mm -hmm. And hearing you say that, and... I feel like that's when people actually start to listen is when you're not doing it for anyone else. You're doing it for like what you want to do and it affects everything else. Absolutely. Like now that comedy's back, that's so much better because I finally found something like this. That's for me. I don't care. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. care. I do care. As you said, I do care if people right. listen, but like, this is no, like that's okay, exactly you still know someone's yeah listening somewhere because you're talking to yourself <laughs> it's important like uh -huh. i don't know if you've ever had someone like come up who had like an emotional connection to something you've done mm -hmm. and that's a very like heavy thing to deal with but you Absolutely. also realize you're on the like right path without a doubt without a doubt what what changed in you musically once you did leave NYU and you started being like, nah, this is it? <laughs> um, you know what? I don't necessarily know that anything changed sonically, but I think I was just able to focus more, um, of course. And that really became my whole focus and everything that I put my energy into was the music. Um, and, you know, really finding means to make revenue from the music as well. And so I will say with that came a lot of, there were a lot of artists who were interested in here and in, in my recreating other artists or other beats by other producers. And so I think from that, I learned exactly what I don't want to do, which is <laughs> do that. Um, and I started thinking outside the box a lot more because um, I started hearing the beats that people wanted me to create beats like. And I was like, OK, I'm going to see how far away I can get from this so that it sounds as unique as possible. 
Um, and so some of those sounded so outlandish that outlandish, excuse me, that I'll never use them. Yeah. But it was just a great practice um, and a great way to just find my own sound. And so I'm super, super excited for people to hear the project that I've been working on recently because there are so many eclectic sounds within the project. Um, definitely mixing a lot of sounds. Definitely, uh, there's a, in particular, there's a gospel drill music crossover that I'm super excited for people I'm to hear. I'm excited to hear that. But, um, do so you yeah, produce yeah. all your own stuff? I do. Mm-hmm. Do you want to produce for other people or do you want to stay like... So I, I love just production in general. I, I produce for a lot of different artists as well. Um, but I'm very particular about my own sound. And so I think that's something so important about producing your own music when you're an artist yourself is that it's always going to be your own sound. Um, and so there's so many great things about collaborating. I do that occasionally as well. But when it comes to really creating a cohesive project the way I like to do it, um, I think the way to really create your own sound is only using the sounds that are in your head. Um, and so that's how I try to take my approach to it, um, which is really just isolating myself and everything that's in my individual head is, is going out there. And so I'll even, you know, not listen to commercial records for a certain period of time or things like that, just as different practices. Um, but really trying to channel the individualistic perspective, but not, that's not the right way to say it, but really trying to channel a, a unique perspective to sound design. Is this your first album? Yep, so this is going to be the first project. It's going to be the first project. When did, how long have you, has it been in? I mean, mm-hmm. that's such a shitty question because it's your first because <laughs> it's been like forever. But uh-huh. like, when did you realize, all right, I'm ready to put my first project out? Mm-hmm. Um, I really think it's ju- it was just a matter of waiting until I felt like people were ready to hear it in its entirety. Um, and also waiting until I felt like I was at a state in which I felt like my music had gotten to a place of maturity in which I wanted everyone to be able to hear it. Um, Of course, timing is everything, and so I wanted to solidify the sound that I was looking for, Um, and I wanted it to be, you know, a project. It's really a singles game right now, so people are focused on singles, but I've really been focusing on, you know, the cohesiveness of a project. Um, Do you think that's true, that it's a singles game? I do think so. I do think so, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, Um, but I definitely think it's a singles game right now. I think, you know, you can take off a lot farther with a, well. Because I'm thinking, uh, I'm very biased because people mm-hmm. listening to this podcast know that, like, Griselda fucking wearing Benny shorts and a J-Ski shout shirt. Out like, <laughs> shout out I um, Same here. But it's, like, <laughs> their albums and the they show that they can do it independently. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like singles is, like, a label game. I also, I'm an outsider explaining it to someone who's in it, so I might be wrong. No, not at all. But, like, I feel like albums and, like, independent is also on the rise, too, and it can be shown through Griselda. I think music listeners have a great appreciation for cohesive projects, which is why I'm so adamant right now on creating a cohesive project um, Mm -hmm. in the midst of what I think is a singles game. Um, And there's a lot of great things to be said about, you know, both of those things, regardless, a good song is a good song, a good album is a good album, a yeah. good project is a good project. Um, but, but yeah. For real, uh, <laughs> Genesis shared your song, Rollin', is mm-hmm. that, and I heard it just like on Instagram, and I'm always looking for new music. That's mm-hmm. just like, that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit, this is like a great, like really, really fucking good. Thank you. Thinking not not thinking that like oh you really uh 
I thought she was just like, oh, I'm sharing a friend's <laughs> track. I'm not. Sam said I'm somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you are somebody. You are. <laughs> Fucking d- the amount of times. I don't listen to a ton of like freestyles on radio shows, but the yeah. amount of times that I've listened to yours is like, and that's 10 minutes long. Like, <laughs> it, you're fucking really like. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, oh shit. I was like, I don't get nervous to like talk to people because I've had cool people. I've had Grammy winners on. I've had fucking big people. And I was like, nervous. I was like, oh shit. She's fucking killer. Like, because <laughs> well, you I also produce it. your own shit, which does show. The connection through, uh, you said Kanye, like, there's a reason, like, your connect, like, Touch the mm-hmm. Sky. I would listen to that. My dad would play me that song when I was, like, six years old. That's beautiful. And I would, like, oh, with the sunroof open. And it's just, like, there is a real connection, mm-hmm. no matter what age, no matter what, sonically, between an artist who does all of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a ramble right there. No, but 100%. <laughs> see, I love it because apparently now I know we both have ADD, so I guess we're just on the same <laughs> exactly. wavelength. Exactly, perfect. I'm, I'm cutting everything perfectly. But um, it didn't even sound like a ramble at all to me, but that's probably because I'm rambling too. <laughs> but um, no, absolutely. Again, I think when, when you know, produce really the sound game is a producer's game, and the artist is on the beat, um, and especially with the, the digital and the electronic revolution and, you know, instrumentals are so complex now it, it really is the producer who's who's the, the producer's really in charge i'll say it that way the producer's really and they're in charge. starting to get their shine more I absolutely feel. but so when you can you know the producers are dictating a full sound and so there are a lot of that that's all of what you're hearing right now you're, you're hearing the top producers um so when you're i'm rambling too now see sam you got oh lord long story short there's a producers, producers who do you like right for now. producers who, um, what pr- what product uh, what producers? I love pre two thousand five Kanye West is probably my absolute favorite producer, um, without a doubt. I consider Miles Davis a producer as well, just because I think Miles Davis is one of the greatest composers ever. I love Miles Davis. Um, I was a huge Scott Storch fan at one point in time in the early two thousands, um, and you know what? I I think that Lex Luger has gotten left out of a lot of conversations, but Lex Luger really played a very important role in in you know the trap music revolution oh what yeah 100 I, I, I realized that the other day i don't hear lex luger's name come up often, never but no shout out to lex luger as well um but i'll probably say miles davis and kanye west production wise have, have influenced me the most i would d all right favorite kanye album favorite kanye album college dropout all right yeah yeah. All right. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a really good one. See, I I get I f- <laughs> don't even look. I like <laughs> I like Life of Pablo the most. And really? People get so mad at me because like I've actually never heard someone say that before, but I respect it because I haven't heard it before. I like concept albums, and I think that's one of the best concept albums mm. of like all time. I think it's very experimental, and so I, I give him a lot of credit for experimenting, but. I don't know that I, it was I like weird that I really shit like to. I don't know I just like weird like I'm so happy you said Miles Davis like I really I listen to a lot of like weird jazz and stuff from the 70s like yeah. Fela Kuti is one of my favorites oh, and like a lot of like Brazilian stuff and because that is the like the last poets like shit 
Yeah, like the last, I I was able to talk to A. A. Rashid, who's the. That's why I asked about blood, like his the nephew, of the singer of the last po- poet, what of the last poets, and um, musically they're so similar, and I had no idea, and I asked him if he listened to them. He's like, yeah, that's my uncle. So you say it's like Nat King Cole is so funny, uh-huh. yeah. What you said you don't listen to like contemporary stuff now. Um, you know what? When I'm in when I'm in a certain mode where I'm trying to create, I won't listen to contemporary stuff. But I've been listening to a lot of contemporary stuff. All right, who do you listen to? Hmm, who am I listening to a lot of right now? Well, because I am sort of in in my yeah, you're mode. D, Can you? When is it coming out? So you know what? Right now, I don't have a date in mind, but I will say that September 10th, I'm releasing what is going to be really the leading single from the project called The System, which I'm super super excited for everybody to hear. Um, and the project will be soon after that. I was actually initially going to try to drop it at the end of this summer, but um, I didn't want to rush it because there were a few more songs that I wanted to add to it as well. I really want this project to represent the entirety that is Raina Simone. Um, and so I've decided to push it back. I don't want to go later than, than November, but um, definitely going to release a, a few records from the album leading up to it. So Are you doing this September 10th. independently? Mm-hmm. So right now it's independently. How was that learning, figuring out to do? Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, I, I have some great mentors in my corner. Um, hopefully, it won't be independent for long, given certain conversations. But you know, I have a lot of great mentors in my corner. I'm now um, my manager, JD, is a, a you know a great, wise individual is also in my corner. Um, so it's just about that. I have a lot of insightful people around me. Um, it's definitely a struggle when you're doing it independently. In Having terms a of team is important, like though. Absolutely. But as long as you do have, you know, a supportive team around you that, you know, wants to see you win and understands the rules of the game, then you're going to be all right. Do you, I mean, now that you're focusing on it, you can mm-hmm. focus on it. But we're, uh, like, COVID, like, it's tough with shit opening back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting time into the right things i feel like i get burned out now because i'm Mm -hmm. like shit i was focusing so much on this and now i got to focus on this too Mm -hmm. is that harder are you able to kind of administer the same amount of time yeah i think so i think that you know the quarantine period definitely gave me a lot of time to master time management um so so now it's not as much of a challenge Mm -hmm. do you want to do a tour or anything I, I would love to. That's definitely something that we're we're looking forward to in the future. Have you ever done like tour shows? So I I there was a time where I did a lot of shows, and so unfortunately, you know, COVID kind of messed us up with that as well. Yeah, because your music has all been released COVID post COVID. So you know what's interesting? A lot of my actual records have all been released post post quarantine. Um, I guess technically we're still in the quarantine period. Yeah, but, but um. Post two thousand twenty one, um, but before that, I was I was I was still doing music, and so I was releasing certain things. A lot of which I've taken down now, but just trying to you know figure out different sounds, see different things. And I used to rhyme all the time, just live, um, and so that's sort of where I would go to figure out which lines hit and which lines didn't. That was my those were my practice sessions. Shout out to Sesh Collective at Howard University as well. But um, why'd you take them down? Um, I didn't think they represented my artistry anymore, and. I still stand behind those songs. You know, those songs might be on, you know, a project in the future. Yeah. But for right now, I think my artistry is, is representative of something different. Are you tough on your work? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I'm learning to be less tough on my work because otherwise I would never release anything. Um, so now I've gotten to a point where it's like, you know what? 
if three critical listeners think it's okay, then I'm just going to release it. Um, just because I am so tough on my word. But Can you go and like watch that freestyle? The freestyle that I did? Yeah. I can watch it. I can watch it. How I can watch that, that one every once in a while. How, but I can't you, watch it too often. <laughs> how does it make you feel when you watch it? That's a great question, Sam. <laughs> um, you know what? My youngest self is very proud. My youngest self is very proud. But of course, I'm so critical that I'm like, oh, man. You if I said it, it like this, yeah. it would have really they would have really understood the punchline. <laughs> but it's always going to be like that, you know? But I have to. Like, that's so great to hear because, uh, like, I watch that. And I'm like, oh, this is flawless. But then I'll <laughs> hear so not that anyone has, would say that about my comedy, but like someone would be like, oh, that was a really good set. And then I'd be like, if I listen back to it, I'd be like, fuck that. I messed that up. Mm-hmm. Like I missed that. And I'm very critical. And even if it's good, I feel like I can't and I think that just enjoy it to the full. Yeah, but I feel like that. I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but I feel like self-hatred pushes me forward. Yeah. Because I feel like I feel like if I was like good with myself, then I just get complacent. And the times where I've been complacent in life have been bad times. It's Mm. just like no growth. Like Mm. I feel like I have to see every day is like, shit, I got to get better than the day before or nothing Mm. will happen. And you know what? I I think that's a great way to look at it, too. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm definitely always competing with, you know, what I was doing the day prior competing loosely i'll say mm-hmm. are you do you drink smoke <laughs> do, do hallucinogens anything um, i do not do hallucinogens i think that um those aren't really for my people um i do smoke that's marijuana. so funny because i just the guest that i interviewed yesterday uh-huh. just talked about literally the exact opposite that it is for and like talking with ancestors and things well, no, no, like no. that i think that we do it in a way where it's not recreational. I think oh. we do it in a way in which, don't get me wrong, that, that's definitely a, a part of our culture, but I think we do it in a way that's a bit more spiritual than just recreationally wanting oh, to get high. I, oh. So I'll say it that oh, way. Oh, <laughs> you should do it spiritually. That's uh-huh. it, 100%. I just uh-huh. didn't know. I was just like, it was very funny, right. the juxtaposition the from last night. But So you, no, do you drink or I, anything? I, um, I drink occasionally. I'm not a huge drinker, though. I'm not a huge drinker. Not a huge drinker. Don't do hallucinogens. I feel like but you're I do like smoke a, some weed. Yeah, I dude. I I should. Would you have beforehand? Say that again. Before this, would you have? Would I have before the interview? Yeah. Part Ask me tough. about this. Man. Why didn't we? This is literally <laughs> the old. I I'm gonna be so honest. I assumed this is such a. You just mm-hmm. seem so clear-minded that I assumed you didn't. Mm-hmm. We oh, literally had smoked right beforehand. I always do with a guest. Yeah. I fucked up. Well, now I know what we're doing <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. I'm oh, goofy boy. as shit. That's so funny. I'm glad we're all on the same wavelength, Sam. <laughs> what do you but, do um, it before you create music? Um, you know what? I think it's very easy to abuse any substance, so I try to be careful. But um, it it does. It, for me, I have really bad anxiety too. So I think it calms me down a little bit in a way where I can actually process the sounds and the thoughts that I'm hearing in my head. So it does awaken some of my creativity, depending on the strain, though. You know, like, I'm an actual enthusiast, so I'm not just going to be like, yeah, marijuana makes you creative. Like, it, all strains are not going to make you creative. But uh, okay, indica sativa. It, see, it's, it really depends on the atmosphere, who I'm with, the mood, what I'm feeling like. Like, it, I, you got to have options. You don't, have, you don't have one that you 
Because like I'm an all-day smoker, and I perform at night, so I like sativa. Because it keeps me going, and I don't have to crash when I have to go up at like 1230 or something. I like solid hybrids. I like okay. solid creative hybrids. Have you ever tried mushrooms? I have not. I don't plan on it either. Things like that scare me. Well, t- I'll ask you the same question off camera. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? Truthfully, I, I think I don't know why things like that scare me because yeah. I've always been paranoid that like once you do it, your brain will be permanently changed. And you know, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, personally, but I like good my brain. I like my brain chemistry as is right now. Yeah. So I really don't want to tamper with it. You know, I don't know. I might come out. Uh, you might, you guys might not hear the same lyricism from me anymore. Who knows? Okay, I understand. When I was in that dark time that mm-hmm. I was explaining before, I I smoked DMT. Really? Yeah, and I uh, I broke through and I talked to my higher power, mm-hmm. and that is a real reason that I'm on the path that I'm on now. Interesting. That really like shocked me into being like, now nah, you got to get your shit together. Mm. It was I'd weird. I'd love to hear further about that experience too. I fucking yeah. It was. Have you? Do you know what DMT is? I'm not familiar. It's. This is so funny. I feel like uh, I talk about it so much, but it's true. It was really a. Um, it's the thing that your body, in uh, your third eye, mm-hmm. it's the thing that your third eye produces when you're born and when you die, and it's in all living things. Interesting. And when you smoke it in a ceremonial way, you do three big hits, you're supposed to go to that place where mm-hmm. you are before you're born and after you die. And some people break through and some people don't. And it's supposedly about how your connection to your higher power is. Mm. Mine needed to tell me that I knew what I had to do and that I should be, um, that I should get my shit together. And I did, and uh, it was real as shit. I saw Buddha, which I thought was very really? surprising. Yeah, that's that. And I wonder what that was telling you. <laughs> I don't know. Are I you, mean, do you, do you look at the Dhammapada often? No. Hmm. You know, I. I'm trying to tell you to pick up the Dhammapada. I know, and it's funny because I have a Buddhist friends who explain some of it to me, mm-hmm. and I, I get it. But it was very, it was a weird, like, uh, a flash. Mm. And it was real. Like, it was a real experience that was very strange. Yeah, see, that would terrify me. I would never be the same. I would, no, that would scare But I was in a dark me. place, and it uh-huh. got me out of it. That's good. I think if you're probably in a good place, it would, like, if you're, there's no point for you to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's good, though. I'm glad that it worked. It's, it is funny that people have never heard of it, too. Because mm-hmm. I've never... Never done coke, never done pills. I don't drink that much anymore. I used to drink a lot, but mm-hmm. I, like I try to stay good. But I do like the spirit. I'm I. After that, I'm very spiritual. Yeah. That like made me spiritual. I will say the first time I ever smoked, <laughs> I had a very interesting spiritual awakening. But what that, happened? That almost scared me How so much that I'll never do another drug. Oh man, Sam. Don't ask me a question like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know what? I think this was. Um, I was a late bloomer though. Like I've always I was been a too. I, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. But I think that. Um, I think that was eleventh grade. I think that. Was oh really? Grade. All right. Yeah, we smoked. <laughs> we smoked for the first time in Central Park. What was it? A joint? A bowl? It was a joint. I had one hit, and like. <laughs> 
was like, I'm never smoking again. Wow. <laughs> like, I was about to, I was about to ask you who you're with, but I'm not snitching that far. Yeah, <laughs> and see, the crazy thing I was about to tell you too, Sam. Uh-huh. You forget there's cameras on sometimes. Yeah, I know. You make me feel so comfortable. So that's crazy. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. No. <laughs> I've had people almost admit to bad things. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> no. I'll, I'll tell what happened. What was your spiritual experience? You know what? I, I really don't even remember it that often because I'm such a, I'm like so scared of those things. I just know that I didn't want it to happen again. <laughs> so from that point forward, I was like, like God, what was if the you next bring me time? through this, I'm never going to smoke again. I won't do anything. I, like, I won't do anything. You I lied. Promise. You lied. Well, we had a conversation after, and we were on the same page. All right. But, um, but long story <laughs> short, yeah, I, I'm scared of drugs. I'll never do drugs. I'll, I'll, I'll smoke marijuana. But from that experience alone, I'll never do any other drugs because that was too much to handle. And then was it, took, it laced? Like, you know that... what? That's a good question. I, I don't know. I don't think so, though. I really don't think so. That's I, I, was crazy. Yeah, like, I like I, how I you're really like, I smoked weed, and after that, I vowed to never do drugs <laughs> except for that one except drug. For that. That was, but you know what? Like, no, no, no. But um, I didn't, though, for like four years after that. It really, that, that experience, that little experience in the beginning was really enough for me to be like, yeah, this is something I never want to do. And then uh, I never did in high school. Yeah, high school that wasn't for me. Never offered. It took until my senior year of of college to to ever smoke another joint. Oh, really? You didn't do it all throughout all. college. Uh-uh. I made a wow. Were you very? I'd have we'd had another conversation. So. Uh, what was that conversation? How'd it come along? Um, you know what? I did my research. I'm I'm like a very paranoid person. Sam. <laughs> like, I did my research on. You know, the strands, I trusted the person I was, uh, you know, I was getting it from. Um, I was like, hey. How do you feel about it being legal? Are you happy now that you can, like, trust it from? Um, before they legalize weed, I want them to legalize me. That's what I That's always say. That's one of your... That's what I always Lyrics, say. yeah. So, in theory, I'm, as, a, as a marijuana smoker, of course, I'm very happy that it's decriminalized, at least, in the majority of spaces. But the truth of the matter is, you know, you cross a, a state line, you're still going to jail for some very serious time if even a little is is caught on you. And um, there's also some fucked up. Now they can test it for driving mm-hmm. legally. Really? They drive the prices up, mm-hmm. which actually means the black market gets stronger because mm-hmm. the prices are much lower than what it is legally. There is a lot of like shit that they don't really think about with it, how there's only. Also, even, you know, something as simple as, as licensing. I, I just don't like the idea ever that, that my people would go to jail for the same thing that's about to turn into a billion-dollar industry that There's still people in, yeah capitalize off of. That's, that'll forever bother me. So, you know, I, I don't really How do you feel about drug legalization altogether? Now, this is very interesting. Um, Sam, I really feel like you're trying to get me canceled before I even, like, <laughs> get to... Like, can I... Can I can I get a billboard hit first? Is that all right? I was I almost came in with some. I was My about goodness. to be like, so how do you feel about touring with vaccines? So which question do you want to answer? You get to pick one. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm gonna go with the first question. All right, all right. Remind me the first question again, Sam. What was the first? <laughs> God damn. No, for real. What was the? Do you remember what it was, Adi? <laughs> you're talking about going on tour. <laughs> no, that's not. No, I'll, I'll answer that question. Um, and then you're talking about uh, the, how the you feel about oh, legalization, legalization, legalization of all drugs. Of all drugs. Of all drugs. Okay. I've, I've always been somebody who believes that if someone's going to do it, they're going to do it regardless, mm-hmm. and that you know, unfortunately, we we 
criminalize drug you drug use you know forget drug dealers right now just speaking about drug users we criminalize drug users when really people need programs and you know you got to look at no one no one just decides to pick there's a certain kind of person who's going to pick up a certain type of drug and often that's rooted in you know whether it's mental health or whether it's traumatic experiences you're trying to escape from that um depending on certain drugs but a drug user if you're going to use a drug you're going to use a drug whether it's legal or not you're going to find a way to get it or um, like so i'm from cape cod mm-hmm. and there's this documentary heroin cape cod usa and mm-hmm. cape cod has a lot of landscapers and a lot of workers and mm-hmm. they get hurt because the rich people mm-hmm. need the landscapers and shit so then they get hurt and then they get prescribed pills mm-hmm. and then they can't and afford the pills then you get addicted to this heroin and it's like it's exactly. literally a money-making system it is legal now mm-hmm. it's fucked sorry right. i didn't mean to just cut you off no but 100 that's, like, that's 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 true as well oftentimes it's you know people who don't think that they're going to get addicted and may even be prescribed and then end up getting addicted but nonetheless i think that if you're going to use a drug you're going to use a drug regardless is what it comes down to whether it's legal or not and so i think that the legalization or the illegalization rather of of drugs is really just a systemic approach to trying to criminalize anyone who's trying to make money in a way that's not considered mainstream um, and I think that's very dangerous because then you, of course, are targeting anybody who's not allowed to make money in mainstream occupations. And we all know who is left out of those, you know, access to those mainstream, quote unquote, occupations. And I, I think it's just a way to, again, criminalize uh, an entire group of people. Um, yeah, whether it's drug dealers or drug users, it's a way to criminalize an entire group of people who really just need help either economically or or you know medically yeah and that's what it comes down to to me it became becomes a money-making business like how many how much money can we make off these people absolutely Uh, you don't have to answer this question and i'm saying this as someone who is vaccinated but how do you feel about like the passport mandates especially for concerts and stuff because homeboy sandman past guest just had his promoters like cancel his tour for that shit which is it's a, it's too bad i mean you know i think any private entity is allowed to you know have their own rules and um so i i think that if you want to require vaccination for someone to you know do something then i think that if you're a private company that just is what it is i think you have the right to do that um i personally am not vaccinated but i'm not against the vaccine um, I'll say it that way. I myself am yeah. not vaccinated, but I'm not anti-vaccine. That's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. It is. I I, uh, I feel like health and like taking care of yourself is not put forward enough. Mm-hmm. Like this past year, I lost a lot of weight because I was like, shit, I got to be healthy. I got to like take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing that people don't talk about because the American healthcare system is a money-making thing where it's like, how much can we drain the cow instead of keeping the people healthy in the beginning? Mm. I, I think uh, I think anything that's a business, of, of course, is going to have incentive to make money straight up like that. So, mm. This is so... <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get you all canceled. I feel bad now. No, I don't. I don't think I'm canceled. No, I'm just I, kidding. I, I, feel, I feel okay right now. You have the single coming out. Mm-hmm. We're at like an hour. Do you have videos and shit? Um, I do. So the system's actually going to be released September 10th with the video corresponding. Um, I'm very, very excited for that. I think that's probably going to be um, 
one of the the records and the videos I'll stand behind. If you get so you're you produce, you make the music. Do you feel like do you do the videos? Is it hard to give? away creative like you know what it is hard just because i have a lot of ideas but there's something so beautiful about collaboration when you really trust another artist's vision um and so i do work with a lot of other visual artists as of recent recently excuse me um my sister reagan henderson is somebody who i work with all the time shout out to reagan um we're a creative team together so that's, well that's awesome yeah that, that's yeah. my little sister and my little sister does a lot of my videos um so you know i'm so grateful and so thankful for that that you know Again, in terms of talking about that lineage and sometimes the ideas and the energy that's just passed through your veins, um, we're on different pages often, but we're on the, the same page creatively a lot. So, you know, I love the fact that I can do that with my little sister. That's all. It does. So she does all your videos. Mm -hmm. As as of um, for the most part, Forevermore was done by Spike Tarantino. Do you? Who do you want to like produce for? Um, you know what. Anyone, <laughs> anyway. I, I think again, my sound is very eclectic. I let me not say anyone. Hold, hold on, but um, there's no, there's, there's not necessarily a single artist right now that I'm that I'm looking to produce for. I think that in general, I'm just excited to work with different sounds and different artists and different creative ideas in general. And I've thankfully been able to do a lot of that as of recent. Um, of course, someone that I really look forward to producing for would be J Cole. I think we could create an awesome project together. Um, did you like the off season? I did. I, I definitely did, did. I did too. I, I think that it, you know, he's really as if he needed to <laughs> any further. He's really solidified um, his versatility and that he's here to stay. You know, if you can, if you can successfully transition into a new decade entirely, you, you've, you, you know, you, you're you're crowned. You have a favorite Cole so, album. You know what? J. Cole is my absolute like like He's your favorite. I, I love J. Cole. I love J. Cole. Um You know what? The come up really impacted me. The come up really, really impacted me. Going off really impacted me. <laughs> that song. Like just um I, there's not a Cole project that I don't like. There's not a Cole project that I don't like. Um, you know, Born Sinner really oh, inspired yeah. me to to That's focus on favorite. production a lot yeah. as well. I will say, um, because since then I hadn't seen in the mainstream an artist go and produce their their whole album fully. So, um, you know, between Nas having no features on his first project and between Cole, you know, producing his first whole it wasn't his first project but his whole project, you know, that makes me want to have no features and produce the whole the whole project no features and just, and just do it like that so you know we'll are you see. gonna stay with that or do you want features we'll on your I'm, shit i'm saying that as of now but we'll see again i think there's something beautiful about collaboration yeah um there are a lot of beautiful things about collaboration when you find someone whose sound really meshes with yours or even someone whose sound doesn't mesh with yours and it creates something that you wouldn't expect um so we'll see we'll see how it how it pans out yeah mm -hmm. i uh speaking of weird just collaboration i was thinking about this is because he did Forbidden Fruit because it was right around that time. I saw Kendrick open up for Steve Aoki. Really? Which was such a weird, like, huh. weird mesh of, like, sonically. And Forbidden I'm Fruit not. is my favorite song off Born Center. Yeah? Really? Yeah. Really? I That's really like that song. Okay. It's a weird beat. I, I like weird stuff. I think I, I think mine's probably Niggas Know. Mm, that's a good one. That flow. Yeah. All right, who's your top? Do you have like a top three if Cole's your number one? Um, absolutely, and I wouldn't. I never really name it in order. I wouldn't necessarily say no, number no. one. But I love Jay Z, 
love Cole, love Big Pun. I'd probably say really if I had to narrow it down to, oh my goodness, I left out Tupac. I gotta leave the interview soon. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, sorry. I'll see you later. But um, but see, it's it's three is three is not enough. Three is not enough. There's so many people who have impacted me in in ways that uh more than I can even express properly in words. Um, Tupac, Cole, Jay Z, and Big Pun though together as a unit, I would say that like, and Nas. See, if we keep going, I'm just gonna keep adding people. But it makes sense in your uh, your flow and your your style, though. Yeah. Especially the big pun. I'm not gonna lie. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Huh. Cause you you have like a not deeper, but you like have like a a deeper rap voice. Huh. Okay. Okay. Not deep. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, no, yeah. I told yeah. You what like. You said. I didn't. I, that's not bad. I, I, I hear that. Face in it sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. <laughs> And I, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Sam. It was a Thanks pleasure. Thanks for being interrogated. I, I, it was great. You know what? A lot of interviews, I feel like people don't really get to know me because it's all surface level. So I'm glad that, you know, now people know me a little bit more. And we're going to not go smoke. Yeah, let's not do that. Uh, do you want to plug your shit? September 10th, the system is dropping. I'm super excited for you all to hear it. Um, I, I can't wait. I hope you all are as excited as I am. Thank you again, Sam. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Peace.